Well, good morning, church. I hope you are ready and prepared for a powerful word from the Lord. If you are ready, why don't you type in the comments, it's time. Say it out loud with me too. It's time. It's time for a word from the Lord. I believe that if our gates are wide open and our walls are torn down, that the Spirit of God is going to do something mightily in our hearts. Listen, I want you to share this service as well. We're not going to be super long today. Uh, that's famous last words for a preacher, I know, but I'm going to strive as best as possible not to be long today, okay? So go ahead and share this service because I believe God wants to do something powerful for you and also your neighbor as well. Our text today is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, written by the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 24, but before we get to it, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question I want you to think about over the next 30 seconds. What was the most powerful experience and encounter that you have ever had in the presence of God? What is the most powerful experience or encounter that you have ever had in the presence of God? Think about it for a second. Why don't you, in a few words, share where it was? Share where it was in the comments. Say it was at a church service years ago or at a youth camp or a special conference. You can share the particular preacher or minister that you remember hearing. You can share uh, the psalmist or the artist that you were in the presence of. Where was that place where God uniquely met you? Share it in the comments. I want to read some of these. Well, for me, as you're sharing that, there are a few that stand out in my mind. If I were to ask myself that question, or someone were to ask me that question, the first that comes to mind is when I was 13 years old, and our church at the time was under the Azusa Fellowship in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And my father and both of my parents were state directors in the Azusa Fellowship, which means there were over all of the Azusa churches in the state of Florida. And so every year over the summer, or actually it was actually in the spring, it was right during school year time, and we would go to a conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we would experience powerful ministry. It would be incredible worship and messages and anointed ministry by people like Bishop T.D. Jakes or Miles Monroe, Fred Hammond, Yolanda Adams, Juanita Bynum. I mean, it was phenomenal every single year. But the reality is I didn't realize often what I was sitting in. I remember when I aged out of going to the children's church and the children's church was so incredible and phenomenal. Hundreds of kids across the country and across the world were present there. And I would get so excited and ramped up to go to this children's church. And I remember when I aged out of it, when I was 13, I remember being so disappointed and I would have to sit in the main church and sometimes it would last two and a half, three hours. And I'm like, nobody wants to deal with all that. And I remember that moment on a Friday night, the last night of the conference, when the power of the Spirit of God hit me for the first time. I remember being overwhelmed and overcome of what I know now as the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Spirit for the first time and, and speaking in evidence of that filling of the Spirit with speaking in tongues. And I remember I, I spoke in tongues and I had never done that before. And I was like, what is going on with me? What is happening? But I felt so powerful and so at peace in the presence and in the spirit of God. I remember that being a powerful encounter with God. I also remember when I was 16, when I received my call to ministry in Tampa, Florida at another youth event. 
I remember being overwhelmed by God and laid out on the floor. And all I could say was, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And God told me that he wanted me to preach the gospel. I remember the first time a couple of days after that, when I cast out a demon, I know you're like, oh my goodness, what? Yes, I came in an encounter in a church, in our church, in a church service where I cast out a demon under the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, in the name of Jesus, get out, leave, do whatever. I remember those times. I remember other youth camps and conferences and, and, and special events. Maybe that's your testimony as well, that you remember that special time when the Spirit of God truly came upon you and you felt like you were challenged and changed. Let me ask you a second question. The first question is, what was the most powerful encounter and experience that you ever had in the presence of God? Let me ask you a second question. What happened after that? After you experienced the power and the anointing and the presence of God, what happened after? At each one of these powerful encounters, I remember that I felt overwhelmed by the Spirit of God and felt a burning desire to continue what I experienced in the presence of God in my normal life, in everyday life, at my school or my college or in my home. And I remember that no matter how hard I tried, no matter what I did or wanted to do, it never continued. I experienced it for a special moment, but I did not have the power or the fortitude, or I was lacking something, something was missing, and I could not carry it over into my day-to-day -day life. Have you ever been there? You've experienced power from God, but then it stops in the moment and it doesn't continue to the lifestyle? Have you ever experienced power in the presence of God and that power caused you to want to live right, but then when you stepped away, you couldn't? See, here's the thing, church. I think we have to be honest about this phenomenon, especially in the American church. In the American church, what we tend to be focused on is jumping from experience to experience, from moment to moment, from wow to wow, from special Facebook service or special live stream or special conference or special powerful word from our favorite minister or preacher of the gospel or singer. We jump from experience to experience, from moment to moment from second to second, from special thing to special thing, and we do not experience a continual feeling of the power of the Holy Spirit because we have passion but not process. We have passion but not process. We have God-ordained moments but not growth. Don't, don't tell me how powerful your anointing is if you can't live it out in application. Don't tell me how powerful it is if you can't walk it out, don't tell me how powerful your experience was. If it doesn't cause you to live differently. And I believe God is calling us to more. I believe God is saying there can be no walk with God without growth. There is no such thing as a walk with God without growth. And I believe that God has called for us to experience this powerful word, growth. Somebody type growth in the comments. I believe it's what Paul is trying to touch on in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I believe it is what God truly desires for every single member of his family. Growth. Somebody type growth in the comments. God wants you to grow. 
There is no person that is ever called to experience life with God without growth. If you are in the presence of Jesus, if you are under the power of Jesus, if you have the anointing of Jesus flowing on the inside of you, leading you towards purpose and power and all the things that God has called for you to do and you don't grow, something is wrong. I think we have a lot of people that desire passion and zeal, but not process. Let me encourage you that you need growth. If you are experiencing the presence of God when I speak, but not when God speaks to you in private, something is wrong. I do not believe in creating the context for a group of people who are bound to a person or a personality or bound to a gift or bound to a specific type of anointing. I believe that we all should be going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from power to power, not in moments, in lifestyle. And yes, God is gonna show up in moments and thank God that the power of God is present every time we come together. But let me encourage you, it is not just in those moments. And if it is just in the moments of worship, when, when, the, when the trained singer sings just right, or the trained preacher says the right phrase at the right time with the right vocal inflection, that is emotionalism. That is not true transformation. And let me encourage you, you must be growing. Come on, type it in the comments. Say, I must grow. I must grow. I must be committed to grow. What does this look like? Well, here's an example, right? I love certain passages of scripture because they're not the overt passages of scripture. They're the covert passages of scripture. The overt passages of scripture are the ones that automatically give us great encouragement and strength to continue on. Philippians 4.13 comes to mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everyone tattoos it on their arm or writes it on their shoes or uses it out of context whenever they want to, right? And I believe and I know that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That's powerful, right? He who began a good work in you will complete it. Yes, that's powerful, awesome. The word of God. There are these overt scriptures that build our faith, but then there are covert scriptures that cause for us to probe deeper between the passages to see what God is really saying. And there are a couple of covert scriptures that talk about growth in a way that I love. One of them is 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26, it says this. Now get the context. After Samuel has received this word from God, and after Samuel has spent all night in the presence of God as a young boy, who heard the voice of God. He experiences something powerful. The purpose, life-changing purpose of God comes upon his life, moves upon him. Notice what it says about Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. It says, and the boy Samuel continued to, what's the word? Grow <laughs> in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Samuel didn't just experience an encounter, he had a true transformation. And the supernatural transformation of God doesn't just hit you in a moment and leave you where you are. It hits you in a moment and it transforms the way you view everything around you, even the people around you. And some of us need to be honest about this fact, and this is for free, that we do not have transformed views of people. And if we do not have transformed views of the people around us, if we can't get along, if we can't repent, if we can't say, I'm sorry, if we can't ask for forgiveness, then let me tell you, maybe the spirit of God has met you in the moment, but maybe you haven't done enough work and it hadn't transformed you 
for the rest of your life. I, I, I need you to hear this. Samuel grew holistically. Samuel grew in stature and in favor with God and with people. It reminds me of another New Testament example in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. What does it say? It says, and Jesus, the Son of God himself, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. 1 Samuel 2 connects to Luke 2. And what we see is Jesus himself, after experiencing the powerful encounter of silencing and leaving the rabbis, the learned scholars, speechless in the synagogue, when he was left behind, when he stayed behind to be about his father's business, what does it say? It says that Jesus grew. Do you want to grow? Do you want to experience what growth can truly mean? Do you want to experience how powerful growth can truly be? Do you want to be different? Do you want to be new? Do you want to be transformed? I believe God wants that for us in two key ways here. This is how I break down growth, okay? Are you still with me? Okay. This is how I break down growth, okay? Number one, growth is maturity. Type maturity in the comments. Growth is maturity, okay? Don't, don't get on my handwriting. I can't write, but it's all right. So maturity is doing things the right way. Maturity is our walk. Maturity is the way that we carry ourselves. Maturity is our ethics. Maturity is our purity of heart. Maturity is our integrity. There are many people who experience the power of God, but don't have changed lives in the way that they treat people or they carry themselves or dealing with their own pride. That is, it may seem like there's transformation that's happening there, but that is not maturity. <laughs> maturity is not proven in church. Maturity is proven in your home. Maturity is not proven in church. Maturity is proven amongst your friend group. Maturity is proven by how you treat your neighbors. Maturity is proven by how you interact with people you do not know. So if you want to experience growth, first thing you have to do is you have to do things the right way. That's maturity. But then there's a second area of growth, and this is another area of growth that I think sometimes we miss, and that is capacity. There's maturity, which is doing things the right way, and capacity, which is doing the right things. <laughs> I can do things right, but if I'm not doing the right things, God is not going to increase something I'm doing outside of the purpose that he gave me to accomplish. So many people, they experience, I'm doing things the right way, God. And God is like, that's great, but you're not doing the, the things I called you to do. You can't pray, God, increase me if you don't have the capacity to receive it. Many of us want to grow in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we carry ourselves, but we don't want to grow in our calling. You got to grow in what God called you to do. You can't lean upon that for the rest of your life. And this is the, this is the tricky part, because most people assume that, hey, if I'm doing things the right way, God is pleased. Let me challenge that. Can I challenge that theology? What did the Pharisees do? The Pharisees carried in their large hats something called the phylacteries. And the phylacteries were over 600 laws that they had written around the main commandments that God had given. There was a Torah that God gave, and then there was the Mishnah. These are the laws outside that the Pharisees 
had decided to construct for themselves. And the Mishnah included all kinds of things, how many steps you were supposed to take in the Sabbath, how many things you were supposed to do on the Sabbath, what you were supposed to say, how you're supposed to carry yourselves, and what did Jesus say about the Pharisees? As great as you look on the outside, on the inside, it's dead men's bones. As great as you look on the outside, and as much as it seems like you're doing the right things, you've missed the true weight of what God called for you to do. You've missed the true weight of what God called for you to experience. And so don't get it twisted, church. Many people think that they can lean upon their religion just simply because they've been in church their entire lives. Matthew 7 makes it clear that there will be many people who say in the last days, didn't I do this great thing? Didn't I do this great work? Didn't I experience this amazing thing? Didn't I lay hands on people, cast out demons, heal the sick, preach, prophesy, pray and sing and talk in tongues in your name? And Jesus is going to be like, I didn't even know you. Did you really do the primary thing I called for you to do? Or were you performing your rightness and your maturity for all the world to see? You need maturity, which is doing things the right way and capacity, which is doing the right things. Lift up your hands right now. Say, God, give me maturity. God, grant to me capacity. Help me to work for it. Help me to do it. Help me to follow after it so that I can truly grow in Jesus name. You need maturity and capacity, church. Now, this takes us to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, because here what Paul is trying to convey and say to us is that there are some essentials when it comes to growth and when it comes to the discipline of growth, because growth is a discipline. Notice what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Watch this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So, Paul says, run to win. Verse 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. Verse 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now, it's important for us to realize here that Paul is making a reference to something that was very influential in the Roman world. And in the Roman world, there was something influential called the Isthmian Games. Now, the Isthmian Games were a key part of Greek culture. They were one of the Panhellenic Games in ancient Greece. And they were held a year before and after the Olympic Games. And they were named, they were named after Isthmus of Corinth. And what you see here is that after a time of sacrifice and feasting, that all these athletes would come together and they would work themselves hard. They would work themselves to the bone in order to train and perform these great athletic feats in front of all these people, right? We're seeing this right now with the Olympic Games, which just started a couple of days ago. And we're in the Olympic Games and we're seeing all the swimmers and the archers and the basketball players and the boxers, and they are training and working themselves as hard as they possibly can. And Paul is pointing out here four things that are key and essential for us to train ourselves to do the right thing as well, for us to train ourselves according to growth. Let's go through these four things briefly and I'll let you go. The first thing is this. God has called for each one of his believers to have intensity. 
God has called for each one of his believers to have intensity. Intensity. Paul says this in verse 24. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize. So run to win. He's making a correlation here that in the idea of the Isthmian Games or the Olympic Games or any one of these Panhellenic celebrations, that whoever runs the hardest and the wisest and for the longest period of time with the most excellence, that is the person who experiences the benefits. So in the same way, run in a way that will lead you towards the goal. Run in a way that will cause you to grow. Run in a way that will push you forward. Run in a way to where no one can stop you. Run in a way to where there is intensity. And you need to hear this. Please hear this. You can't win without intensity. Our commitment to Christ is never called to be passive. It is never called to get stagnant. It is never called to be casual. It is never called for us to sit back and rest upon what we have already accomplished and achieved in the past. Do you have intensity? Do you have a burning passion and desire that is not based upon a moment, but is based upon what you are reaching for, what you are striving for, what you are going after? Do you have power that arises up on the inside of you? Do you have something that moves you, a burning desire to be better and to represent Jesus more faithfully and to do what Jesus has called you to do as well as you possibly can? The first thing that tends to go for many believers is not our knowledge of the scriptures. It's not something that the world does to us. It's actually the intensity and the passion that we have to do what God has called for us to do. Do you realize that the God of the universe called you? that the God of the universe set you apart, that the God of the universe looked upon eternity past and said, I want them, I want her, I want him to do exactly what I've called for them to do. Do you realize that God in heaven sought you out by name, sought you out personally? And if Jesus can carry with him intensity, if God has an intense love for us, how disrespectful it would be for us to call for God to come and move and move mightily and powerfully. And we do not have intensity for that God. Intensity is required in our growth. That's why Paul says run to win. Not only that, but look at uh, verses 25 and 26. It says this, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with, catch this, purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing, or one translation would say, I am not just beating the air. Number two, God calls us not just to be intense, but keyword, intentional. Type it in the comments, intentional. I want you to consider a couple of things when it comes to the intentionality of your growth. Paul calls us here, take a look at this, to run with purpose in every step. There are a couple of things in your life that you must consider if you are going to run with intentionality. The first of which is you must consider your plan of growth. What is your plan? What is the thing that you're going after? Where is it that you're going? 
Are you just picking up the Bible and reading it just because? That's not intentional. That's not running with purpose in every step. That's not doing things deliberately. I know we have this idea that just get a little bit in here and there and do this and do that. And yes, I believe it's wise for us to have measurable goals and expectations. But the problem with that is many of us are not asking God, what have you called for me to do right now in this season? What have you called for me to do right now in this moment? What have you called for me to do in this stage of my life? That is the intentionality, the plan of growth. Also consider the pace of your life. What is the pace of your life? Do you have young children? Are you an empty nester? Are you someone who just got married? Are you someone who is unmarried and, and in a dating relationship? Or you're still in your parents' house as a high schooler? Or you're still in your parents' house as a college student? Consider the pace of your life. How much is your work requiring of you? How much are you doing? Are you working multiple shifts? Well, you must be realistic and honest. Yes, you can have passion and intentionality, but you can also consider that you're not going to be able to do all of the things that everyone else is, and that's okay. God knows your stage of life. Be realistic about that and the pace of how your life is going. Also, please, please consider your purpose. What is it that God has called for you to do? What is it that God has designed for you uniquely to do? And this will shape how you grow. It will shape the level of intentionality that you have. We'll talk more about this a little bit later, but please hear me. No one has ever grown in Christ by accident. No one has ever stumbled into spiritual maturity. No one has ever tripped into spiritual growth. The reality of the matter is it doesn't work like that. Try as we might to have an easy, simple, seamless growth process. It will take work and hard work and intentionality. So that's why Paul says, run with purpose in every step. Not only that, we need intensity. We need intentionality. But catch number three here. We need consistency. We need consistency. Notice what Paul says here. Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete. Recently, most of us were watching the NBA Finals, right? And the NBA Finals were fascinating this year. I honestly thought they were going to be boring. I'll be honest about it. And they exceeded my expectations. They were phenomenal. It was a clash of teams that didn't have all of the bright, famous superstars that maybe other teams had but they were evenly matched. At first, I thought it was a mismatch between the Suns and the Bucks, not because the Suns had so much more talent, but because they had a style of play that was messing with the Bucks, but the Bucks made the adjustments that were necessary to win. But I remember watching Giannis Attentacumpo, and Giannis Attentacumpo in the series prior to that experienced what for most of us would be a crushing injury an injury that would put us out, an injury that would have had us out for the entire playoffs. He experienced a hyperextension of his knee. And I remember getting the alert on my phone that someone on Twitter, I don't know who it was, but someone on Twitter had said that Giannis will be out for the rest of the playoffs. And I remember being so disappointed because I was enjoying watching him play. And he was involved in this pretty good series with the Atlanta Hawks. 
And I was like, man, he's he's probably the most famous player left. And, and he's injured after all these other injuries to people like Kawhi and Anthony Davis, now an injury to Giannis. But what's so interesting about Giannis is Giannis clearly trains his body. He trains his body to an extent that's almost unfathomable to my mind. When they talk about his training regimen and how much he does and how hard he fights and how hard he works, I'm shocked because it's almost as if he's already made it as a two-time MVP. He could sit back. He could rest upon his laurels. He could do the things he's already done but he's constantly hustling to get just a little bit better. And because of his training, he was able to bounce back from an injury quickly because of his consistency, because of the fact that he is working as hard as he possibly can every single day in the off season, he is able to experience victory. And let me encourage you church, that you will not grow in God if you do not have a consistent walk with God. I'm not saying that it has to be the same thing every day. I'm not saying that you have to read a book of the Bible every single day. Sometimes our consistency needs to be measured with a little bit of realism, right? We need to think about what we are actually capable of doing. But the truth of the matter is this, church, no one will grow in God or with God if they are not putting in consistent time and effort consistency. It's something I talked about last week. It's also something I will continue to talk about in every single area because consistency is the key. You cannot have power without practice. You cannot have anointing without training. You must consistently practice the presence of God. What does your consistency look like? What does your consistency look like in the area of silence and solitude? What does your consistency look like in the area of Bible study? What does your consistency look like in the area of prayer and the presence of God? What does your consistency look like in the area of Sabbath? Do you fill your soul? Do you stop working? These are key areas that will cause for us to grow in maturity, cause for us to grow in capacity. They'll cause for us to experience more of God and doing things not just the right way, but doing the right things. You need that consistency. You need to have a plan. You need that intentionality. You need that intensity. But also finally, not just intensity and intentionality and consistency, you also need identity. Notice the end of this passage after he says, I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Watch this. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul says that after having done all the right things, I might not truly know who I am and whose I am. It goes back to this. And as great as our spiritual growth techniques and mentalities and training programs and access to resources, which I'll give you here in a second, as great as they are, let me encourage you with something, that you will never outgrow the understanding of your own identity in Christ. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know that God loves you, if you don't realize that before anything else, even before your greatest calling, you are first a loved child of God, if you don't realize that you've been bought with a price, that before the foundation of the world, God saw you and knew you and formed you in your mother's womb, 
that nobody can make a pronouncement upon you that God will look at and say, I value that more than how much I love you. Do you realize how precious you are in God's sight? Do you realize how much God thinks about you, how much God meditates on you, how much God cares about where you're going and what you're going to be experiencing and what you're in right now? If you miss that, you could have all the intensity in the world, all the intentionality, all the consistency and still be disqualified. You can think you know what you're doing and still not know who you are. And this is why what Paul tends to come back to in all of his letters is that you are loved. You are in Christ. You are different. You are a new creation. Old has passed away. And behold, all things have become new. I want to encourage you, church, to experience growth, to pursue growth in maturity and in capacity. And there are a couple of resources that I want to give you today. These resources, hopefully, will challenge you and also give you something to think about, purchase, and start your spiritual growth journey if you have not. The first, let me just say this. Please download the YouVersion Bible app. Download the YouVersion Bible app. Now, I know for some of you, you said, I got my physical Bible. I can take it with me wherever I go, and that's great. Most of us, though, are struggling with the reality that we do not ever stay off our phones. <laughs> and so if you're going to be on your phone, set all your notifications to pick whatever Bible version and Bible plan you desire and you feel is helpful for you and read the Bible. Now, if you're a physical Bible person, awesome. But most of us, especially our younger folks, we're naturally going to read from our screens. So let me encourage and you to incorporate that into your smartphone, into your daily life. Also, I want to encourage you to pick up this book, which I've talked about a thousand times, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Why Emotionally Healthy Spirituality? Because if you want to grow in maturity and capacity, you must have emotional maturity and health. An Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is a phenomenal book that will challenge you to do that. Also, they have Emotionally Healthy Day by Day, which is a daily reading plan over the course of 40 days that helps you to dig deeper into what it means for you to live out your emotional health every single day, morning and evening. It's what is called the daily office. I practice the daily office using Emotionally Healthy Day by Day and some other resources as well. The daily office is so important for me because it is a morning, midday, and evening time where I naturally take some moments, just 10 to 15 minutes, and through a structured program, I'm able to experience the presence of God. Let me encourage you to look up the daily office and practice it. There's also a book that does this called Morning and Evenings by Charles Spurgeon, the morning and evening devotional. I also want to throw out there Relational Intelligence by Darius Daniels. This is a great book if you're looking to grow in your relationships, grow in your friendships, grow in your family life, and also Invitation to Solitude and Silence by Ruth Haley Barton. There's so many others I could give you. Reach out to me, find me on Facebook and inbox me if you want some more, or you can email me as well at staff at ndccpensacola.org. That's staff at ndccpensacola.org and I will reach back out to you and give you some more materials and resources. 
let me encourage you as well. If you need some personal encouragement and you want to ask some questions, please reach out to me. I'm on Facebook. You can inbox me there or you can email me more officially at staff at ndccpensacola.org. Our staff and team will get that to me and I will reach back out to you and give you some details, some materials that you can use to grow in your spiritual walk. Please, 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 please do not miss out on the opportunity to invest in yourself, invest in resources. And we can point you to some incredible resources that will challenge and change you. These are just a few. There are so many more that you can take and use. Well, let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you that you've given us the power of intensity, intentionality, consistency, and the right identity in order to grow, in order to experience maturity and capacity, doing things the right way and doing the right things. I pray that your people would experience transformative supernatural growth, that they would not be stuck in the same place forever, but that they would change and be challenged and be transformed from the inside out. Make us new, make us better, increase us, and give us the capacity and the maturity to do it. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, I pray you grow. I pray that you do not put it off. Don't wait till tomorrow. Write it down right now. What are you going to do to grow? And I pray that you'd ardently pursue it and that God would change you. I love you, church. See you next week. Well, church, I hope that that word and worship blessed you. I hope it challenged you. I hope the seeds of the gospel were sown deep in the soil of your soul so that you can bear much fruit. We don't just believe in making decisions. We truly believe in making transformation and discipleship. So if you made a decision for Christ today, I hope and desire that you would reach out to us, that you would type home in the comment section of Facebook or YouTube. We genuinely want to reach out and talk to you and encourage you and walk with you on this spiritual journey. And when it comes to salvation, I just want to make this clear that it is just a prayer away. That the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And salvation is the most important decision you can make, the decision to follow after Jesus. It's not just a momentary statement. It is a lifelong commitment. It is a heart transformation. And so if that's you and you desire a heart transformation, it is as simple as lifting up your hands and saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've gone against your way. God, I desire to follow after you for all of my days. I desire to lift up Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I know that Jesus will change my life forever. It's as simple as that. You don't have to use my words. There's no power in my words. The power is in the confession and in the belief. And if you prayed that prayer, again, type home in the comments. We would absolutely love to talk with you and walk with you along this next stage of your spiritual journey. Thank you again for tuning in. If you did not have the chance to give, I want you to click the app uh, link or the giving link up in the description or in the pinned comment, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. That'll take you directly to places where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift if you wanna sow into the kingdom. There's no compulsion. We're not trying to scheme to get money out of you. That's not our desire at all, at all. 
We just believe in giving and in generosity because it reflects the heart of the kingdom of God and also so that ministry can be done, true ministry can be done as well. Well, church, I hope to see you next week here at the NBCC Online Worship Experience. Same time, same place, we are going to be here and I know that God is going to meet you. I pray that God stays with you, that it's not just here on a Sunday morning, but I pray that God stays with you throughout the week. I speak blessings upon you, the power and the peace of God upon you as you go into real life now. Go and apply and do what God has taught you today. Well, this is Pastor Tyler and on behalf of our entire team. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Be blessed.